Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Have you ever wondered what it's like staring down the barrel of a gun? Well, I know what it's like. I've been there and it's not pretty. It's kind of like being in a Quentin Tarantino movie. I mean, one day you're sitting at your banking job, you're counting $100 bills, and the next minute you're staring down the barrel of a 57 special and everything is going in slow motion. And now that person on the other end holding the trigger is in charge of your fate. They are in charge of whether you live or whether you die. As of August 5th, which was the 217th day of the year, there have been 255 mass shootings in the United States. And this is according to data from the nonprofit Gun Violence Archive, also known as GVA. They track every mass shooting in the country. The GVA defines a mass shooting as any incident in which at least four people were shot, excluding the shooter. In this episode, we're going to discuss mass shootings in America and whether or not they have anything to do with mental health. We'll also talk about all the weird tweets that number 45 has been sending out there, as well as many senators. My guest today is my good friend and returning guest, Jim Kane. He is bringing on his psychiatric nurse expertise to discuss this episode, and he's also bringing his personal experience with shootings. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss. Welcome to the show, my friend, Jim Kane. Hi, Ophelia. Wonderful to be back. Awesome. Thank you for returning on Nurses and Hypochondriacs. I'm really interested in uh, talking about this hot topic today. And uh, today we're doing podcasts and pajamas. <laughs> Both Jim and I are in our pajamas. I love it. Well, you're just too funny. You you gave me no choice. I did give you a choice. You could have gotten dressed. I mean, oh, I always, I guess it's true. You know, I just jump on to these podcasts and stuff as we are recording them and and everything. You know, I'm just myself. So, but I well, did I just brush wanna... my teeth and wash my face. Oh, great, me too. <laughs> so, well, even though even though we're in pajamas, it does not begin to minimize the significance of what we're talking about today. It's oh my gosh, so yes. Shootings. I mean, we've been tweeting back and forth quite a bit. And thank you for doing all the research for the show today. The research on the show today has been brought to you by Jim Kane. <laughs> Jim Kane. So tell us about your experience with shootings, because I think it's very unique. Almost like my experience when we were talking to uh, Charles Graber and my experience of working with a serial killer. So you've had experience with shootings well it sounds so dramatic so first of all i've had um <laughs> drama is shocking come on oh, you think I'm well, I, haven't, I haven't necessarily you, been shot a shot at myself you think but I'm dramatic with everything that's going on in the world today come on look at the headlines that is drama right yeah, no kidding yeah and unfortunately uh, my one of my greatest fears i'll tell you about myself certainly as you asked one of my greatest fears is it starts to be normalized within our country and i know we're going to go to that too but just that this becomes the new normal and it's not acceptable because it isn't normal. But on to me, a background. So I worked in critical care at ER um, and that kind of background for many years. 
um, worked in some really some very, very intense emergency type settings in some um, kind of impoverished areas of some metropolitan cities, let's put it that way. So it was frequently there'd be gun victims that we'd see all the time coming into our trauma centers. The, um, what was it? The homeboy drop-off, right? Did you guys have Yes, that's some of it. We had homeboy drop-off. Drop just drop off the bodies and you were left to save their lives, correct? And the other thing that would happen too, and some of our, one organization I worked in was that there'd be gang wars. I mean, a lot of that has really been, been resolved. I've been in a situation, yeah, hospital working in a Oh yeah, and the, then the big worry—the big worry—is that the uh, so you get people in there, and of course they come in as a patient. You're taking care of them, but you never know where those are the two that are shooting at each other. And then in the parking lot, the gangs are continue getting ready to continue the battle. So right, because um, they had to kill the victim. I, I mean, right? They had to finish them off. Correct. Right, right. Or they want to finish them off, or the battle isn't finished. So now they're going to fight out between them, between themselves, which is just anyway. So all, all, I had all that experience. And then um, my, my experience was that we as nurses weren't taking care of the whole patient, you know my story in this regard. And we get so technologically hooked up with our critical care technology, which I love, and it keeps people alive. They would forget that this is a human having a technological experience. So my own direction then drove me to become a psych clinical nurse specialist in the field and in general hospitals. In that capacity then, I had the chance to um, to work with some organizations in our communities in Southern California, and we had a shooting in a high school. Um, my team was a team that was prepared and ready to go to do the um, essentially the psychiatric debriefing for the individuals at the at the hospital at the high school. Rather, it was incredibly insightful and meaningful and powerful to experience that firsthand with kids and families and whole communities that were just devastated due to a bully who a kid not a kid a bully he was bullied a young fellow who was really just tormented by his peers had access to a weapon and decided to just randomly take it out on his classmates and it was just the devastation and the emotional um havoc and torment and damage that was occurred just can't even be put into words but to be there firsthand and play a role in it was really a meaningful experience in my career so so what were you doing there um you were going in just to help uh counsel the students that were uh involved in this or what what was your some of some of my experience well my role i was the administrator over our team of advanced practice mental health clinicians so i coordinated their deployment if you will with our organization as well um and the organization, um, I guess I could say it. The, um, the, so so I, was in, I was an administrator, but I was also a clinician. And I was one of the most seasoned clinicians in this work at the time. So we went into the schools for the day that the schools opened. And there were counselors in every classroom. And our, my team, myself, and some others from our organization were amongst those counselors. You needed a lot because it was a big school. Um, and you, we wanted to have people in every classroom when school reconvened. Uh, to give people a vehicle. Then we also positioned ourselves and teams of us all throughout the school for all the big 
times of the day, like between classes when everybody's congregating in different places in the cafeteria at cafeteria time. We were, several of us were positioned in the library all the time so anybody could drop in. And then ultimately we were actually able to position um, an advanced practice uh, clinical nurse specialist to live on the campus with there for one year. We got a grant wow. for her to stay in the school on the, on the grounds for a year following. Now this was back, I don't even know where the, um, was it pre-Columbine or post-Columbine? Oh, it was early 2000. It was pre-Columbine. Interesting. Um, no, actually, I think it was, it was post. Well, I, I can't even remember when it was. Um, I'll have to get this. I could Google the timeline. It's all good. It's all right good. Now. But it was all right. A lot of the students were happening. And this poor kid was just, he was, he was kind of, he was like 14, the fellow who did this. He was I mean, only just, 14? Yeah. Wow. And it was just, and he was, he'd been bullied his whole life and picked on, and he came from kind of an abusive family. So all of those pieces um, played out. And this is kind of public record without me going into too much detail more. Um, I don't want to breach any privacy. Yeah, anything. yeah. It's, no, it's, it's all good. It's good to, just to give a synopsis and um, because but you know, it does tie into something that we will be talking about in the exactly. podcast. Or yeah, I think people lose sight of the, emo the emotional anguish that, occurred by this i think people decided so it had some pro I, so i counseled countless kids at that event um very interestingly enough you know how it's, things work in cycles and we talk about these pathways it's things that happen in in our lifetimes right. um on the march on january 20th following the last election i marched with all of my friends um there were a group of individuals that carried posters saying that they would never forget this event at this high school Wow, and that, and they had some blank spaces of the individuals who were missing. And these these people that were marching were like twenty three, twenty four, and these were obviously kids who were like twelve, thirteen, fourteen when the event occurred, and that it's, it still resided with them. And they were carrying posters about that, and they said they don't want our country to go in that direction. And this was immediately after last election, January twentieth. Well, that's that's fascinating, and I think it takes us into our media headlines and all the great research that you've been sending me. And uh, you know, we we do Twitter fires where we throw each other tons of research because both you and I are Pisces, and both you and I are on this psychic vibe all the time. It's like we could have been siblings in another past life. We probably fought in the Roman army. <laughs> We could have. It's right. all possible. Right, right. It's all possible. Absolutely. Um, so I bet I, we had some really great wars together. I'm sure we did. And that's we killed a lot of people, and now we're back healing lots. <laughs> we're making up for oh, our boy. sins in the past life, right? So um, I'm just going to okay. jump into this headline that I got, uh, and it says, as of August 5th, which was the 217th day of the year, there have been 255 mass shootings in the United States, according to data from the nonprofit Gun Violence Archive. So I just pulled this this morning. Um, so the recent shootings were a shooting in a historic district of Dayton, Ohio, uh, nine people killed and 27 injured, a shooting at the Walmart in El Paso, Texas, with 22 people killed and at least 24 wounded. And then there was the Gilroy Garlic Festival here in California in the San Francisco Bay Area with the three people killed and 15 injured. Uh, there's also a shooting at a Brooklyn block party with 11 injured. Um, and then a shooting at another Walmart in Mississippi with two people killed and two injured. 
Okay. So I didn't even hear about the Brooklyn Block Party. When was that? I don't know. I mean, I just pulled these stats this morning, and I pulled it off. Let me give you the article. So uh, this was from the New York Times uh, Interactive, so, and it was on August 4th that it was uh, wow. published. So, so how wrong is this that we can't even keep track of all the shooting? I mean, yeah. Um, but then again, you brought up a good point because back in the day when there were all the gang shootings going on, and I remember that I was starting nursing probably in the mid nineties, right? Um, we never heard of all these shootings going on. They didn't say, okay, there was another gang attack. There was another gang attack and there were gang wars. I mean, literally you never heard of the homeboy ambulance and stuff in the mass media, only healthcare professionals, only people who work in the ER know about this, but now they're being very much widely publicized. I mean, which as they should be, cause this is, you know, very, very serious. I don't want to sound like that Neil deGrasse guy that was downplaying all the shootings because he had all these stats on his Twitter about how many people die from the flu and die from this and die from that all the time. Like, I mean, I get his point. People die all the time, but you know, our safety is now being compromised uh, with going to these public places and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's shaken our foundation as a country. I mean, it's just, and I think that the, where we've come now is very different than where we were with the gang phenomenon. I mean, I think a reason that we don't hear about the gangs so much currently is because a lot of work has been done by our law enforcement and other government entities to just try to nip it in the bud and deal with some of the root causes. Um, hopefully Correct. we can do the same for some of our challenges we're facing now. Very correct. Uh, so here's the thing which I thought was interesting. You sent me an article. Uh, what dry or what is it? White extremist ideology drives many deadly shootings, which I was just kind of blown away by this. And in uh, the top of the headline says white extremist ideology has been linked to some of the deadliest active shooter episodes in the United States in recent years, showing the potential for intense violence among adherents who congregate online to cheer on racist attacks. <laughs> it's, it was so well done. And this is from the New York Times. It's a wonderful piece. If anyone really wanted one of the best summary articles that really encapsulates this whole phenomenon or what we're facing right now in our country, this is really a, a great piece that does it. Um, I didn't have this insight before I started to read this. And it, it kind of like gave me goosebumps. It was kind of so disturbing. Well, they're saying uh, there, there's a national discussions about racism, xenophobia, and white supremacy. Uh, the other violent ideology animating these attacks has gotten less attention, misogyny. But I mean, okay, so let's go back into time. Um, I think at the beginning of the year before football season when Gillette, Gillette put out their ad about toxic masculinity. You know, here we go again. This keeps coming up. Um, and, uh, and I think they're saying that the last three shooters were in Gilroy at the Walmart, and I, I forgot the other one, but they were all white supremacy guys, and they had made um, some remarks on their Twitter or whatever on their social medias, uh, and they had manifestos about, like one of this, here's this one, um, 
High school classmates of Connor Betts, 24, the gunman who killed nine people Sunday in Dayton, uh, say he was suspended for compiling a hit list of people he wanted to kill and a rape list of girls he wanted to sexually assault, according to the Associated Press. Uh, Taylor Ford went to summer camp with Betts and said that he remembered a violent incident at a school playground when he watched Betts choke a girl he was dating. Um, yeah. So what strikes me, too, is that these, these individuals are trouble. And what is it that we're not able to do to activate our resources more proactively? Well, um, they don't teach anything I mean, they don't teach people how to socialize appropriately in school. And uh, apparently, you know, they aren't also saying, hey, wait a minute, what is going on with this kid? Let's, you know, uh, I don't know, give him therapy or see what's going on with him and, and, and seeing that. I don't think people are trained to pull that out. I mean, as a health professional and stuff as well. The, yeah, and one of the differences today, I compare it to my own high school experience. I went to a private Catholic school, and we had some kids in our school, in our class, that were really troubled. And the kids all knew who they were. Nobody asked us, but they'd be the bullies. They'd be the mean kids. We right. knew that they came from homes that had a lot of trouble, and one of them in particular, we knew the kid would come in every now and then, have some bruises on him, and you figure mm-hmm. that he had a fight with his father or someone in his home, and it was true. Um, and these kids... They spread this degree of difficulty across the whole class, and then we're left with that resonance or that memory of our high school experience. And this is occurring for these kids in Dayton now too. Their whole experience now is going to be their whole life is going to be totally affected by this. Well, of course, because it creates a trauma in their subconscious mind now, and any trigger can it, it can trigger something. I mean, I know from my personal experience, I was involved in a. Hold up. I used to work for Bank of America when I was 18, 19 years old. Uh, actually, from the time I uh, was 18 up until 24, I worked for Bank of America and I was a teller. And I remember um, I was in a hold up and the guy was, a, oh, it, was a, it was a gang hold up. And so this other kid, and I believe it was an 18-year-old that held me up, but um, I, I remember it was just a typical day, and I was counting my $100 bills, and all of a sudden, I hear, give it up, give it up, give it up, like someone's rapping, right? And all of a oh, sudden, wow. I look up, and there is a slew of five or six uh, males with pantyhoses over their heads, and I couldn't tell what ethnicity they were, you know? And all of a sudden, all I saw was a barrel of a gun staring me right in the face, you know? Oh, wow. And it was, uh, what, what is those, it? It was like 58 specials or six, I don't know, one of those little specials, those trigger ones. And I still remember that. And I literally froze. And it was like in a movie, like a Quentin Tarantino movie where you just are – frozen and you are going in slow motion you know and and typically we're trained well our adrenaline does that yes right typically we're trained at the bank to there there was at the time i mean i know now there's better technology and stuff uh you are trained to give this stack of hundred dollar bills and that has a tracking device on it so it's supposed to track them wherever they go uh and i remember i couldn't do that because i was frozen and my manager came because I, I literally thought I was going to die. Uh, and there, oh, I, you know, uh, he, he, you know, uh, and, and can you imagine at the age of 18? So my manager comes in and just, you know, she knew what to do. She gives him the money. 
he leaves with all his posse. And then, of course, we are flooded with FBI immediately and everything. And I'm like flipping out. You know, I am literally having a panic attack because um, I just almost died. Uh, <laughs> and I'm only 18. And um, uh, within an hour or two, uh, you know, we had the Bank of America psychologists come and do debriefing and all this. And all of a sudden, uh, before I knew it, the FBI was taking me in their car to go identify these juveniles. And they were all juveniles. So I think the youngest was 13. There was like a 14 year old. Oh, I remember wow. an 18 year old, very, very young. Uh, and they were part of a gang uh, and it was part of their initiation and they had stolen a car and, and it was just a big ordeal. So these were the little kids uh, of the gang, you know, that were, wow. and they found them in an abandoned place. And I remember when I went to go identify them, they were all uh, with their backs against us and it, and it was hard to identify like I said I at that moment I was like they had pantyhose over the head you know <laughs> they had gloves on their hands you know so it was really well, hard you know, and you, I, was, asked... I was thrown away at how young these kids were when we went in to identify them and I was so I, I can't tell you the trauma that I had for many many years and, and look of course what, look what happened um you know I really well, started you started to say, when you started telling your story, you said, well, you know what this must have been like for me. I said, you know, I can only, I can't really know. No. I can only begin to guess what it was like, you know. And your it description was, of it, I can even, because I can see you, your description of it, even this many years later, not going to any numbers, it's still powerful emotional experience to have. Yeah, you. And well, I'm 46 that, now. You know? it, it was quite some time ago. Uh, uh, and you're, you're still trauma, you still have that I trauma still inside, and it causes an emotional reaction. Inside. Uh, yeah. And, um, I went back to work the next day. Uh, boy, oh. was I dumb. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I remember I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine because I came from an Italian family and you just suck it up knowing, but the trauma that that happened, like I was so skittish, I would jump. I couldn't be anywhere by myself. And I never told anybody about this, you know, and I had dreams of um, this guy coming up to me, with the barrel of the gun in my face and saying, give it up, you know, and, um, of course it did. Yeah. And, and so it took a, a quite a long time for me to get comfortable. And I remember I was um, dating my ex-husband at the time who was a few years uh, young, uh, older than I was. And he was working at the bank too. And I was like, Hey, I remember calling him. I just got, I was just in this robbery and I was flipping out and I was like freaking out. I was like, can you just come? And he's like, Oh, well we, <laughs> robberies happen at banks all the time. Oh, <laughs> and you married him anyway. There's and a mistake. Him, you know, right. Should I have known if I had that, um, hindsight is, uh, what, it, what is it? Uh, 2020. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 50, 50, well, I mean, well, but the trauma you talk about, I mean, I think it highlights something that, that is, that is mentioned in the events of all these shootings that have occurred. Um, and that is these people are left, whether they're, whether they physically received a bullet that damaged them or not, or lost a family member, the whole community's individuals around it are injured. Right. And I hope that we can at least normalize that when that occurs, you have had our normal person who experienced an abnormal event and that you should go and have someone to talk to about this. Right. I think it should, I, I really it's, think it's a requirement. some type of free therapy, some type of app. I mean, they have all those therapeutic apps right now for psychologists where you could just click on with them. I, I but think most there's, places, there's always some hotline. money. 
you know, there should be monies available. Why don't we, if we're not able to legislate against the availability of guns, why don't we just legislate and spend the millions of dollars instead in the emotional support and the financial support individuals getting treated following these events. I agree. I, I think that's a great I mean, thing. Just have a huge fund like we do for disasters. Have a right. mental health FEMA, you know. Yeah, but it's because nobody cares about mental health. I, I mean, which is really stupid, uh, in, in my opinion. Uh, and that's why and we've seen how in history, how mental health has been treated. I mean, look at what's going on here in Los Angeles. Back in the day when Reagan was there, they closed all the psych wards and threw all the people out. And that's where, you know, majority of the homeless population just started. To, that That's where it began when they were living in the streets and stuff. So, uh, you know, you're, you're a psych nurse, you know what's going on yeah. with mental health in this. Uh, nobody wants well, to and, and, I, and then the idea that we're saying that, you know, I mean, I think mental illness may be somewhat untreated in this country. There's no question. Um, there's certainly much more that we could do, much more proactively. However, let's be really clear about one thing. I had a conversation with my dear friend, Dr. Joe Borman, neuroscientist. We were talking about this idea that there's some words being put out there about video games causing all this. Oh, I saw that. Um, I, and, and this brings me to my next topic, which I think so, is great. Because not only... Well, I want to make are, a point about that. Oh, okay, hold on, hold on. What about the video games? Hold on to your point, Jim. Okay. Thanks. Um, this is the thing, though. Uh, you know, not only are the people being affected that were around these shootings or around in these shootings in these cities, but it's also what the media is propagating too. And I think this goes into your point, you know, it's almost like propaganda, propaganda from Nazi Germany, propaganda through uh, news media, through social media, through video games, you know, through what are these guys watching on Netflix, you know? Uh, but so think about this politically. Why someone, I can't say the name, why someone would say, well, video games are causing this. Who's the name? Think, is, it, is it number 45? It's 45, yes. <laughs> um, well, 40, so would say this. <laughs> Let's think about this. So who, who plays video games? Well, the majority are below voting age. Aren't mm -hmm. they great to have the ones that we would target then? Because they're not going to be able to vote. Yeah. Right. Well, but we can well, blame them and them blame up. their but use of video games. We're setting them up, right. You're setting them up. The studies, I mean, the studies don't support that the video games add to, um, add to the potential for violence, which I think is really surprising because intuitively you think it would. Um, however, what you're saying is right. What you're saying is right as well. Is that is there propaganda that's embedded in there somewhere that starts right. to make and, this and it's causing a trigger. So here I'm going to go to my next point on. Uh, I, I pulled some stuff on propaganda in uh, Nazi Germany. This is a great article that I found on Slate, and I believe it was written in 2017. Uh, yet, while external compliance can be commanded, internal belief is an asset freely given. Joseph Goebbels, the appointed minister of propaganda of Nazi Germany, once said, there are two ways to make a revolution. You could blast your enemy with machine guns until he acknowledges the superiority of those holding the machine guns. That is one way. Or you can transform the nation through a revolution of the spirit. Okay, and um, it says Hitler's chief architect, Albert Speer, told Neumerberg Tribunal, 
that what distinguished the Third Reich from all previous dictatorships was its use of all means of communication to sustain itself and deprive its objects of the power of independent thought. And and back then, it's oh. like the propaganda was through posters, film, radio, museum exhibits, and other media. Uh, they bombarded the German public with messages designed to build support and gain acceptance of their vision for the future of Germany. I don't know. Do you see any resemblance of what's going on here? Well, and how they're the, attacking the uh, white male, you know, uh, and, and, it, and it seems to keep bombarding. And, and, you know, I don't know. Maybe there was a... Well, I, think, I think the white supremacists, there's some, there's some definite valid data that supports that that is what is involved at the time here. And you might even think that white supremacy is what was the seed that grew... Um, the movement that led to World War II as well. You know, and I think that's what we have to be cautious about. When you look at this, the one piece that you mentioned initially was just the increase in the instances of white supremacy related um, shootings just since late 2017. I mean, it's, it's increasing exponentially. You know? We can't ignore this. And the thing that we have now that the Nazi Germany did not have is we've got all these different means for individuals to stay in touch with each other. And there's all this data that well, exactly. these various like, individuals it, are talking to each other. You're bombarded even more with media all the time, 24-7. You know, you have like Instagram, you have Twitter, you have all these things. I mean, like, let's look at some Twitter highlights. Here we go. The one that I, the tweet that I sent you, an Ohio Republican blames mass shootings on drag queen advocates, Colin Kaepernick and Obama. <laughs> I want to do a part two episode with a drag queen. So I put out a call to a drag queen so they can um, they defend can themselves. To, they can address this. It would be funny. Um, it would be interesting, you know. Um, well, it reminds me of uh, how that, that politician whose name I can't remember anymore. That's how long she stayed at the flash in the pan. Is the one who said that all nurses do is sit around and play cards. Oh, right, right. And we, you know? right. What, what's her I mean, name? I mean, from from um, Oregon. Washington. Yeah. Oregon, Washington. Anyway, right. But the idea, the idea here is you can make these kind of statements. And all it does, when you put out that kind of a kernel out there to the masses, everybody gets distracted by the new bright, shiny object. And they can't pay attention to what the truth is. So to stay focused on what the truth is, to know your sources, to validate them, fact check, is so vitally important for all of us. So Obama, I have Obama's quote that you sent me on how uh, he's saying um, so that, beautiful that we have no, we have more mass shootings in all of the world. I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. Do. I don't know where he's getting his stats from. But really, uh, but, but what about all the wars going on in Iran? I, I mean, Iran, Iraq, and all of that. that. You don't consider those mass shootings? We don't know about those. I mean, uh, well, the war war is classified differently when oh. all this. You know, of course, okay. we began this category. These are individ these are individuals who are right. these oh, are random it. individuals who are doing this because of their own whatever purpose. It's just defined differently. Mm. The other thing, when you talk about gun shootings, which we didn't talk about earlier, when you started about the number of mass shootings and all, sixty percent of gun violence is suicide. Wow. So the availability. You've been doing a lot of research on suicide uh, because of oh, this new suicide. Screen uh, tool that require all organizations tool, right. must know about it, and um, 
So just the, the instance of suicide, the, the individuals come to this point. There's an individual, I want to say his name is Snipeman, but don't hold me to his name. He describes suicide as someone coming to a point where they have lost all current mechanisms of coping have been extinguished and they don't feel like they have any hope otherwise. When you define that as the core reason why an individual would approach considering taking their life, it gives a whole different sense of energy to it about yeah. that, the tragedy of that and the fact that it can be treated and the studies that have been with that, but what we could and distract on that. that. You know, good for this new tool, you know, and, and, and if anybody out there knows someone that is having depressive episodes, doesn't look right to them, please talk to them. Please ask them to call the suicide hotline. Please help them get treatment, you know, because I think that's very important too. It's like, here's another thing that I know is going on. Uh, People don't take enough. uh, They don't ask people, like, how are you doing? Are you okay? You know, can I help you with anything? It's like a lot of people don't care. And some of that, you know, so what it reminds me. I mean, I get get all the time. There's two things coming to mind for me. uh Go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> we always talk over each other. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, well, the point, the point of my, we're having a conversation like we do if we're um, out having a cocktail. Um, yeah, the point of my conversation about the suicides was that the largest bulk of use of, uh, of weapons, because they're so available in this, in this fashion today, is, in, in, is to commit suicide. And I can guarantee you, our founding fathers, who had slaves, by the way, did not ever begin to think that by making guns available to individuals, they'd be using them on themselves. Or, or, or that these um, high-velocity, multiple-shooting weapons would be available and used in the communities for individuals to kill one another randomly. That was never the intention, I'm certain, of our constitutional amendment of freedom. It was trying to un- uncover and move out from under the cover of Great Britain's dominance at the time so i want to jump into obama's uh tweet uh tweet i think this is good Uh, it's really powerful it's a second while the motivation behind these shootings may not be fully known there are indications that the el paso shooting follows a dangerous trend troubled individuals who embrace racist ideologies and see themselves obligated to act violently to preserve white supremacy so we have talked about that um yeah, but I, I get it. The, the last three shootings uh, were like that, but still, uh, is it a trigger going on? I mean, that's, I don't know. You know, you Read the rest of Obama's on? tweet while you're at it. Read the rest of it. Okay, where? In the end, but just as important, uh, all of us have to send a clarion call and behave with the values of tolerance and diversity that should be the hallmark of our democracy. Is Absolutely. that what you want me to read? Mm-hmm. Yes, you're doing fine. Keep going. <laughs> uh, I I don't want to read all of it. I mean, um, I, you anybody but can that, go but to Obama's tweet to read it. Um, he goes he on has, to he, saying about Jim Crow and slavery in America and the Holocaust, the genocide. Huh, look at genocide in Rwanda and ethnic cleansing in the Balkans. Yeah, I get it. You know, is that what's going on in America now? And that goes back to my propaganda again, because that's what the Nazis did. They were trying to do ethnic cleansing. You know, well, if we wanted to unravel individuals taking it upon themselves because they have it in their subconscious mind, they get a trigger, they go out there and they're just doing this. They're like, I'm doing this for humanity because there's just so much misogyny. I don't know. Well, I don't know that that's that you threw a lot into that bucket. Let me. I tell know you. it just came um, out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I think 
the reality the reality of the fact is that somehow or other now these these individuals are being activated in some fashion yeah that has a I core agree. that has a core of some degree of racism in addition to being troubled individuals and it's really disturbing we have to go back to what our core values and what our country was founded upon that will help us to find a way through this I mean, I think nurses are part of the answer. Personally, I think nurses the world. are part of the but, answer, um, too. I the mean... phenomenon that our communities have to be healed. But this, this idea, what you're saying, I, mean, I, don't, I don't believe it's only you. I think that we can, if we can have, I think the clarion bell. I think you're bringing up a good point, which I'm going to say um, uh, before I forget my thought. Jim, I had a, a patient the other day and one of the, he was a teenager. I won't say how old he was, but one of the things was he's like, I don't like people and I isolate myself. And the mom was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, he, he just doesn't like people. He likes to stay alone and I let him stay alone. And I'm like, hello, red flag. <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's Talk about red flags, really. Hello, red flag. You know? So I started, I, I mean, even his affect was off and you know, and, it, and, and I ha tried to get him to talk about stuff. And, and I told him, I go, listen, I'm going to send you to psych. You, you should go at least once. You know, you don't like it. You don't have to go anymore. But I'm just letting you know that this is not good behavior. And I'm, the mom thought it was normal. You know, so this right. is another thing. Parents think it's normal for them to just be in another alternate reality on their phones and not interacting with people. And I hear it all the time. Well, you know, he's in his virtual world. It's okay. No, it's not. No, no, no. And then individuals don't know how to relate when they get older. But that's another whole separate topic. Yeah. But the issue, it's so wonderful, Marcelia, that you picked that up and referred that person quickly. The other thing we're dealing with is the stigma of mental illness and what does it mean and the fear associated with that. Is that going to happen to my child? You can see why a parent right. might not want to face that initially and live in denial. If you've got a question and you're worried, then pay attention to that gut feeling and act upon it and right. get or resources or trigger, just like you did in that case. Hello, ask your children about your feelings. I wonder if these men or boys, you know, uh, were even asked, like, are you okay today? How are you feeling? You know, uh, what's sure. going on with you? What happened at school today? You know, and, and, and you, maybe, who knows? Maybe their parents and would also that. wonder what's the relationship with her husband, is whomever significant other is that she's with. What is yeah. the household relationship like that's contributing to this, allowing this? But that's another, but you, but you raise that's a really whole important other issues. 10 episodes. <laughs> But I do, I do hope, I mean, one of, the big, one of the big things that I would want to be a clarion call here, to use Obama's words, is just to take courts true to our values at all times. Remember who we're about. Remember about implicit bias and how that plays a role in our lives and be, try to raise our consciousness if we can. Um, and it's time for us to stop this, stop normalizing that shooting is part of what occurs within our country. It's not. It's not. And the emotional, the, the need for emotional treatment as the result is just so highlighted, even by your experience of having been confronted with a bank robber. I mean, and imagine having a shooting. Right. Some, of the, some of the kids came to see me when I was in that library that day from that high school, and they said, hey, dude, how you doing? This kid comes in, he looks like, could have been an Abercrombie and Fish model with his uh, skateboard on his back and his backpack, and sits down, and seems like really happy and smiles and affect is there. Yeah, shooting really wild stuff, huh? He said, yeah, the guy was really my friend. One of the guys who was shot. And I said, oh, tell me about it. He said, yeah, we used to run together on track. I said, wow. He said, yeah, and I had, and we, we, we did an, a memorial for him, and we all ran around the, the track, and we left the space where he would have stood, and I was right next to it. 
And it's pretty tough. Yeah. And the kid, he just did so encapsulated this that tucked it away somewhere down deep and was not going to deal with this at all. Right. Until I said, you know, you've had a really incredibly intense experience happen for a 15 year old. It's not normal to not talk about this. The normal thing is to let it out because if you don't, it's going to plant a seed that will come oh, yeah. out somewhere it's else gonna, in your life it, that's it, going to have exactly. an effect on your life in a dramatic Excellent way you don't want. Point. It's going to plant that seed in your subconscious. So when your conscious mind gets triggered with something, bam, it's going to come out and you're going to be like, oh, where did that come from? You know, and, and stuff. But I'm going to read one more tweet and then we could talk about your new kitty for a little bit. And, oh, no. Uh, so it's number 45's tweet, uh, Beto, phony name to indicate Hispanic heritage, O'Rourke, who is embarrassed by my last visit to the great state of Texas, where I trounced him, and is now even more embarrassed by polling at 1% in the Democratic primary, should respect the victims and law enforcement and be quiet. What the, Because Beto said, don't come to Texas, right? I can't believe, I mean... I'm sorry. That is a very inappropriate tweet. And then when people are inappropriate in clinic, you're like, okay, you're inappropriate and you get reprimanded. But who's a reprimanding number 45? Well, the other thing, I love the first response to that. Um, if one has any emotional intelligence whatsoever and can put themselves outside of themselves for a moment, think about the anguish those individuals in El Paso are going through right now. Right. This individual going to visit them may not be healing. So get out of yourself for a minute. And uh, that was that was pa Patricia Arquette's immediate response to that. So exactly that moment. Get outside yourself for a minute and think what those people are thinking about. Exactly. You know? Maybe Beto's right. Yeah. Um, I'm not there. I don't know for sure. But to turn this into a political battle is just on Twitter wrong. and I so mean, insensitive and, and to the emotional anguish these individuals. That if, if number 45 is a big person since he is running our country that he would call Beto personally and say, Hey Beto, you know, I'd like to come down. Let's put all the sides aside and be men. You know, I mean, it, it's just like, what is going on there? You know? Or women. Or women. They can't be, they, for, fortunately, they can't be women. <laughs> well, you never know. Oh, there we go. <laughs> you don't know what lies beneath. Okay, so tell us about your kitty real quick, and we're going to be. Oh well, I do. I do have a new kitten. Um, she is a stunning Maine Coon. Um, I'm love the breed. We have two others already, and she is trying get really aggressively to take over the household. Um, the other cats are trying to hold on to their holds. We're having a little power shifts here. But she's just beyond adorable. Um, she and plays you show continually. Her, you show Sorry? Won, she's won a couple of awards. Yeah, she's won a couple of ribbons that she first showed as a kitten. So uh, it's kind of exciting to me. And, um, and I'm enjoying having her. She's boy, she's a joy to her life, as all animals are. Um, and I really support people. I know there's a lot of haters who are all that don't get purebreds and all that. But there's some beauty to ensuring that you all, with the purebreds, to ensure that the original breed does not have any genetic flaws built in um so that's a good thing um and i totally support rescues and all the kind of work of individuals in every way and donate gleefully to them but i just have an opinion about who i want to have with my home with me for years so um but she's just a joy and um kind of like it's just a presence that you can't ignore because she like 
has a, an opinion about things and is kind of playing around and making noise. <laughs> just like her papa. <laughs> just like her papa. You got it. All right. Awesome, Jim Kane. Thank you so much, my very good friend, for coming on the show. Any final words? Um, well, of course, my mental health specialty is my specialty thing that it comes to mind for me here. I know that if we go to our core values as a country, we can find the answer. Pay attention. Seek the truth. Verify your sources and um, stay in touch with how you feel about these things. If you're triggered in any way or anything happens, even if it's across our country somewhere else, please do go and find yourself someone to speak to about it. Uh, pay attention to those feelings so that we can heal all of our anguish that we're suffering through this time. I agree. It loves the answer. Nurses are the answer, my opinion. <laughs> and 2020 is going to be the year of the nurse. So uh, that's going to be awesome. Can't really? wait. Can't wait. Yes, it is. Lots of great stuff coming down the pipeline for us. Anyway, thank you again, Jim Kane, for being on the show and having this hot discussion. And thanks for listening, nurses and hypochondriacs. Until next time. 